The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the twelve, A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher, and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not, let fear, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Warning and encouragement encouragement and warning, Jesus is sending out the disciples to do work in his name, and he wants to let them know all that they are getting themselves into. In first reading this passage, all I could think of was, this is a terrible pep talk. I mean, unless your pep talks are designed to talk someone out of the thing that you need them to do. But then I realized that I gave one of these speeches recently. Not of the same magnitude or importance, of course, but a parenting moment of both warning and encouragement. When we were in Florida last week, Madeline was finally tall enough to ride Big Thunder Mountain. So we gave her the option. It was up to her if she wanted to go on it. We warned her that this is something you've never tried before. You've never been on a roller coaster, and you might not like it. It might be too scary or too fast for you. But you might love it. It might be really fun. And either way, you are brave. And even if it feels scary, you will be safe the whole time, and Dad will be right there with you. 
Was it a terrible pep talk? Probably. We could have just said, try it, you'll be fine. It felt like Burton and I were talking her into it and out of it at the same time. But we wanted to be honest. You could love it or hate it. It could be fun or terrible. And there's only one way to find out. You don't know until you try. Jesus is both prophet and teacher. And while he is building upon Hebrew scripture and God's covenant relationship with Israel, he is offering something new. Breaking with the customs and religious traditions that are getting in the way of knowing God fully. Expressing and embodying God's love in ways that people aren't used to and that many are uncomfortable with. Not everyone wanted to listen to Jesus' words or hear his teachings. And Jesus is sending his students out to do this holy work. Jesus is describing the roller coaster that the disciples are about to ride. And he warns them, you might be rejected. You might be ridiculed. You might be physically hurt or lose your life. You might suffer. Following this path, you will disrupt the status quo what appears peaceful. It might mean losing your own family, the people you love, and having to redefine your whole identity. But it's worth it. Jesus also tells them God is with you. You are being called to this. You have Nothing to fear, because people can kill the body, but they cannot kill the soul. God cares about each sparrow, and even more so, God cares and values you. God knows every hair on your head. You are known and you are loved. And nothing can separate you from that love. In losing your life, you will find it. You'll have purpose and meaning. You might even love it. The way that Jesus sends out the disciples is still true for us. Sure, Christianity is more known and accepted, but not always. Standing up for what is just and good, serving the poor, caring for the sick, bringing in the outcast, showing God's love to all, all meaning all, this is offensive to some people. Unconditional love seems to get people really angry and fired up. We don't know where this work of following Jesus will take us. We don't know if we'll be praised or ridiculed, accepted or rejected. We only know that following Jesus, doing God's work, we are answering God's call. And living in this new way, we will be transformed. Earlier this week, I was invited to go over to the In the Hour of Need family shelter, what was formerly known as the Interfaith Hospitality Network. And I took a tour of the home, the kitchens, the shared pantries, the living rooms, the offices, 
And I talked with Lauren and Sherry and Priscilla. And in our conversation, we talked about how IHN became the program it is today. Before there was a house, there were several churches that were part of a network, working together to help families who struggled with homelessness. The families were sheltered and moved from church building to church building each week, each congregation taking a week to host. There were strict curfews and wake-up times in the evenings and then in the mornings because these were shared spaces. The congregations were providing the shelter that they could, but each was still a busy faith community with buildings that were being used for programs and preschools and all of that. And then someone had the idea, wouldn't these families be better served if IHN had a permanent location? The families could stay and settle and feel at home, and then the church volunteers could come in each week to help host. Now the IHN has owned this house for 10 years. And as we toured the space, Sherry named all of the individuals and organizations that went into creating this space. She rattled off the names so fast I couldn't keep up. This group, this group donated the playground, and this church group installed it. Students from this school did a needs assessment, and they found that we needed more study space for the older kids, so they got these desks and these bookshelves, and then they filled the bookshelves. This gentleman comes once a week to mow the lawn, and we have Tidy Up Tuesdays with volunteers who come and clean each week. This is our dining room, but it's also the room where we have our programs, and volunteers come to share life skills. It seemed as when we walked, that each nook and cranny had a story of generosity and service. That everyone working together, contributing what they could, has created this place that isn't just a temporary shelter. It really is a home. Looking back, do you think that that first network of churches could guess what IHN would become. That they started off by offering what they could, part of their buildings, a week out of time, volunteers to cook and host. And now it's transformed into something completely different, even a different name, but with that same mission. To serve families experiencing the crisis of homelessness and to support them in finding permanent shelter. At times, it was a roller coaster. They had a big capital campaign to buy this home. For multiple years, the threat of COVID loomed, housing many families together and volunteers not wanting to come into the space. Their work includes overcoming the stigma and prejudices around homelessness. But God has provided through it all, and IHN is thriving. They are even trying something new this summer with a camp program, which you can volunteer to be a driver for. They just keep expanding what they offer. And in their 23 years, they have sheltered 420 families. When we follow Jesus, when we commit to doing God's work, 
God makes no promises that it will be easy or safe or that we'll be praised for it or even that it will succeed. Sorry, this is another terrible pep talk. (laughs) But it's true. And we need to know this, that none of that is part of the promise. But no matter what happens, no matter where we are led, we are never alone. God is with us. And in following God, we will have opportunities to show God's love to those who have never known it. In following Jesus, we make a way for justice. We practice forgiveness. We help heal what is broken, comfort those who are hurting, and bring resurrection to dead places. We shape the world around us, and we are transformed in the process, bringing God's heavenly kingdom to earth. It's what we're called to do. For those of you who are curious, Madeline did ride Big Thunder Mountain, not knowing what it would be like, not knowing if she would like it, scared but excited. And when it was over, she said, it made my tummy feel a little funny, but it was awesome. (laughs) Amen. Amen.